as Alison said, we could substitute some of the words here very easily, couldn't we? Pray for the peace of New Hall. May those who love you be secure. May, they be, may there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my brothers and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. We want to pray for the peace of our community, don't we, today? Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And that's why it's appropriate for us to pray. God's word in the Bible here speaks into the very community of which we're part today, doesn't it? So relevant, so powerful. Worshipping together in all of life. Um, life for everyone is, is like a journey, isn't it? Um, uh, if you go on a journey, you know that a journey has twists and turns and ups and downs, joys and struggles. Um, and that's what being a Christian is like and traveling through life. We're on a journey. Um, the writer of Hebrews says this about the Old Testament characters, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Jacob. He says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Um, this is not our final home, is it? Thank God. Thank God that there is a heavenly city that we are all headed for. A place of total peace, total harmony, total security. This is not our home. We are passing through like pilgrims on a journey. And that's the hope of the Christian faith, that if we walk with Jesus, we are heading for the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem, which will come down of, out of heaven into the earth. I don't know if you've ever read Pilgrim's Progress. Um, I'd encourage you to do that. Um, if you've read the book by John Bunyan, um, it talks about, it's an allegory, uh, symbol, full of symbols. And the main character, Christian, is on a journey, traveling through life to the heavenly city. And on the way, he meets various characters uh, who discourage him on his journey. Uh, world, worldly wise man, formalist, hypocrisy, simple, sloth, presumption, mistrust, ignorance, and atheist. They all try to pull him down and get him off the path that he's on. But then he meets other friends called hopeful, shepherd, evangelist, charity, faithful. And they encourage him to keep on walking towards the heavenly city. I hope today that you are a hopeful, a shepherd, an evangelist, a charity, or a faithful. That you are one of those people that comes alongside other people and encourages them along the way. I really hope that you're not a hypocrisy or a, or a presumption or a mistrust discouraging people. 
We need one another, don't we? Um, this week and the events of this week have reminded me again that we were never designed to live in glorious isolation as human beings, were we? We were always created to be in community. We need the love and support of one another. That's how God made us. And my prayer would be that this community is restored, that friendship and community is restored in amongst us. But I want to speak today about when we gather as Christians, there is a real power when we come together to sing and pray and worship. We are on our way to a heavenly city. We are pilgrims on a journey. And David expresses in this psalm the, the journey that the pilgrims are making coming to Jerusalem for one of the three great festivals, Passover, Tabernacles, and the other one that I've gone out of my head. Somebody will shout it out. <laughs> weeks, the Feast of Weeks. Three great festivals that the, the Israelites would come and journey into Jerusalem for to celebrate all that God had done. And God made Jerusalem, the place where King David reigned, his holy city, the place where his presence was. And so when the tribes all came together and gathered in Jerusalem, God promised to be there among them. So it was a joyful gathering. I don't know, coming to church is a joyful gathering. This is not a somber place of, you know, grayness and piety, is it? This is a place of joy because we're coming together to celebrate that God is among us, right? This is what Paul says in Ephesians 2.22. He's talking about us as Christians, as living stones, and in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So when we gather together, God is here. His spirit is here. Now that's cause for celebration, isn't it? Three, three reasons from this psalm that it's good to gather to worship on a Sunday or whenever. First, worship is a joyful celebration. Second, worship celebrates our unity in the Lord. And third, worship celebrates our peace with God. And to sum up, worship is a foretaste of what we're going to be doing in heaven forever. Worshipping, you got it. So what we're doing now is, is just what we're going to be doing forever. So we better get in good practice. So first of all, worship is a joyful celebration as we gather together. This is David and the pilgrims coming into Jerusalem to celebrate the festivals. I don't know if you've, have you ever been to a festival? Maybe a, a concert, Glastonbury or Reading or one of these things. Well, people are excited to go to these places. These days, I don't like camping. All right. I need a decent toilet. And, you know, I, I don't want to go to festivals anymore. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm middle aged. But people get really excited about coming together in festivals, don't they? You know, it's a, there's a real party atmosphere. And this was what was going on uh, when all the Jews came together to celebrate in Jerusalem, it was party, it was party time. 
There's a gladness, a joy. David looks back and he says, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And he carries on, I think. Our feet are standing in your gates, O Jerusalem. Have you ever had one of those journeys uh, from the pit of hell where you're just glad to get there? Well, this is, this is kind of the pilgrims. They've journeyed through rugged terrain, through heat and cold, and they finally get there and they say, ah, our feet are standing in the gates of Jerusalem. Yay, we're here. That's how David would, would say it, right? Have you ever got somewhere and you go, yeah, we're finally here. A few years ago, uh, one of my things that I've always wanted to do was to go to the Grand Canyon. And uh, we finally got to do it a few years ago. Um, uh, my parents left me some, some money in their will, and so I was able to do it. Wouldn't have been able to do it otherwise. But anyway, the journey to get there was horrendous. Um, we had a connecting flight to Chicago, and we missed the flight from Chicago to Las Vegas. And so the next plane was quite a bit later. We, we were stuck in Chicago for about eight hours. And all the time we're looking at our watch thinking, we're gonna miss the trip to the Grand Canyon in Las Vegas. And I think we landed in Las Vegas an hour before the minibus was due to go out to the Grand Canyon. So that by the time we put our suitcases down and got into the hotel, we had half an hour. So we dumped our suitcases. And we literally got on the minibus, exhausted. We hadn't slept for 36 hours. We were smelly, you know, hadn't changed our clothes. And we got to the Grand Canyon. Now, stood on the edge of the Grand Canyon, do you think we went, oh, goodness, I'm so tired. We, we just, do you know what? We just went, wow, wow. Isn't God's creation amazing? That's what we said. All the tiredness went. We didn't care about missing connecting flights and smelly, being smelly and all the rest of it. We just went, wow. God wants us to go wow in his presence. He wants us to come into his presence and just go, do you know what? There's nowhere else I'd rather be. I don't know what your journey was like getting here. Um, I, I come across the car park, <laughs> so mine was pretty easy. What I mean, I don't know what sort of week you've had coming to worship. I feel quite emotional this morning. I'm, I'm struggling a bit, if I'm honest. I'm, very, I'm tearful because of what's happened through the week. But you know, God is here. God is here. And he promises to be with us and walk with us in the midst of sadness, pain, tears. And we can express our emotions honestly, can't we? We don't need to pretend with God. We just come and we say, Lord, I'm, I'm sad. I'm hurting. And God brings comfort and peace. God is here. God wants us to experience his joy and his presence. That's why it's good to come to worship. We're not doing God a favor by coming to worship, right? All right? He's worthy of our worship. And it just so happens when we come, he meets with us and he pours out his joy into our hearts. Isn't that wonderful? Second, worship celebrates our unity in the Lord. Verses 3 to 5. 
Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. This is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. There the thrones for judgment stand, the thrones of the house of David. You see, Jerusalem was the holy city, the place that God had decreed all of the different tribes of Israel should gather together in one place and express their unity and their worship. And God had said that to Moses that this should happen years and years and years before. Deuteronomy 12, verse 5 says this. But you are to seek the place the Lord your God will choose from among all your tribes to put his, and it, yeah, it goes on, I think, name. Anyway, to put his name. Now, this was really important because there wasn't always unity among the tribes in Jerusalem. In fact, after King David, there was a, an evil king, King Jeroboam, who set up a rival shrine, a rival worship center at Peniel. And he threatened to disrupt the unity of the tribes of Israel. And so it was really important for the tribes to come together and worship in Jerusalem. There's no temple at this point, by the way, but they're still coming to Jerusalem to celebrate and to worship and to sacrifice. The temple came with Solomon, remember? And it's an expression of unity as they gather together and worship and pray and sing. This is the people of God in all their diversity. Look around you. We're a diverse lot, aren't we? Some of us don't even live in Newhall. <laughs> Some of us travel in from villages afar, towns afar. We're a diverse bunch, different ages, backgrounds. Some of us are working. Some of us are not doing so much work these days, at least paid. Some of us are grandparents. Some of us are great grandparents. We're all from different backgrounds, nationalities, ethnicities. Praise God. When we come together as one people, we're celebrating that Jesus has brought us into one family, that we are adopted by faith in Christ as brothers and sisters into one family. This is a place of worship and celebration of our unity in Christ. So whenever we come together, we're saying to God that we are one family. That's why it's important to come and worship as often as we can. Not just when, when, when we're on a rotor. We should be here to honor God. We're not coming because we're coming to serve. We're coming because Jesus is worthy of our worship. And you know how worthy he is? He gave his life on the cross so that we could be one family, united as one body, one people, one faith, one Lord. He gave his life so that we could be one body. We dishonor him when we make worship and honoring his name a part-time add-on to life. We dishonor Christ. Nothing to do with me or the elders. It's all about Jesus. Let us honor him by making him our priority. Third, worship celebrates our peace with God. Verse six to nine. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my brothers and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. Why does David call 
for his fellow Israelites to pray for the peace of Israel. The reason is this. If there is peace in the city of Israel, God's people will be able to gather and worship together in unity. If there is warring going on in the city, they won't be able to gather to worship. Do you see? And under Jeroboam, there was a threat to the unity of the city. There was a breakaway tribe. There was a breakaway king trying to lead, break up the kingdom and break up the the alliance between the tribes. It is so important to pray that God's place of residence in Jerusalem would be protected. And that threat to peace in Jerusalem continued right up until the day that Jesus approached Jerusalem and wept over it. Listen to these sad words, Luke 19. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. Such a sad verse, isn't it? The Prince of Peace was rejected by the very people that he came to save. How sad. And Jesus wept because he knew that judgment from God would come come upon Jerusalem because of their rejection of him. They nailed him to a cross. They rejected him as the Prince of Peace, as the one who would reconcile God to humanity. And you know what happened? In AD 70, God's judgment came in the form of the Romans who invaded and razed Jerusalem to the ground, smashing apart the temple. But already the seeds of destruction were there. Do you remember in Jesus' conversation with a Samaritan woman at the well? She said, well, you Jews worship in Jerusalem and we worship on our own mountain. But this is what Jesus said. Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. And he went on to speak about worshipping in spirit and in truth. Because he would become the new temple. He would become the place of God's dwelling. Listen to what Jesus' words in John 2.19. This is what he said. Destroy this temple, the Jerusalem temple, and I will raise it again in three days. In other words, through his death, and then rising again on the third day, Jesus became the place of God's presence on earth. He became the new temple. And when someone trusts in Jesus Christ and follows him, God's spirit comes and dwells in them. They become a temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives in the Christian because Jesus became the temple for God's presence. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? If you're a Christian, if you trust and follow Jesus, God's Holy Spirit, God's presence lives in you. So if you're a Christian, you are a carrier of God's presence everywhere you go. Think about that. When you go to work tomorrow morning, when you're babysitting the grandchildren, you are a carrier of God's presence through the Holy Spirit. When you serve in the local community, you are a carrier of God's presence. Everywhere you go, God's presence goes. Think about that. And every time God's people gather, the living stones gather, like this morning, we are being built into a spiritual temple in which God dwells by his spirit. God is here because he promises to be here. So to pray for the peace of Jerusalem today then means to pray for the worldwide church, for Jews 
and Gentiles. Because the church is, consists now of a spiritual temple of living stones of Christians. Um, I pray uh, every day for um, persecuted Christians. Sorry, Sarah, can you pass me my... Uh, I use uh, Open Doors and Barnabas Prayer Guide. And just today, on Sunday the 10th of October, this was the prayer. Sovereign Lord, we ask for protection for your people in Saudi Arabia. We stand with them in prayer as they are forced to follow you in secrecy in a country where it's a capital offence to leave Islam. We pray for peace for all the nations where there are Christians, right? That God's gospel would be able to be preached and that Christians would be protected wherever they are. Folks, we need to pray for our own nation, for peace in our nation. Why? Because it's getting increasingly difficult to preach the gospel. People are being arrested for preaching the good news about Jesus. I don't know if you're aware of that. It is becoming increasingly difficult to hold to Christian values on sexuality and marriage. There are threats coming from within so-called the church of court action against Christians who hold to a traditional conservative position on family and sexuality. That is our nation today. We need to pray for the peace of God to fill our nation that the gospel and the Christian values can be upheld. We don't have to look too far. But we also need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, right? For the actual city. There's a hotbed of conflict. You, you watch the news, you see it unfolding. Solomon's temple today lies in ruins, buried under the Dome of the Rock, the Muslim mosque, which dominates the old city. Today, the Jews weep over their sins at the Wailing Wall, the last remaining remnant of the Second Temple. Today, Jerusalem knows little peace as Christian sects haggle over shrines, Arab and Jew wage war against each other, and there isn't peace between Palestinian Christians and Messianic Jews. We need to pray for Messianic Jews. God says that in, in Romans 11, read the chapter, that just before the return of Jesus, there will be a mass turning of the Jews to Christ. So I don't know about you, but I want to see that happen. I want to see God's kingdom come and Jews turning to Jesus. So we need to pray for Jews to return to Jesus. Pray for the Messianic community in Jerusalem as they witness to Muslims, to Palestinian Christians and to Orthodox Jews. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Um, and to extend that even wider, Paul says that we should pray for governments and rulers and those in authority. Because if there's peace in nations, the gospel will be able to be preached. If nations are ripped apart with persecution, conflict and injustice, that is not a good seedbed for the gospel to be proclaimed. So Paul says, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful 
and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Saviour, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Why do we pray for peace in nations? So that the gospel can continue to be preached and people can continue to come to know Christ. That's why. I'm coming into land. Finally, as we gather to worship, we join with heaven. With all those saints and Christian brothers and sisters who've gone before us and who are now worshipping around the throne, every time we sing and gather in church, we are gathering and joining in with the praises of heaven. Isn't that wonderful? There are brothers and sisters, family members, friends who've gone on to glory today, who are jo we're joining with them in worshipping around the throne. That gives me much joy. Does it you? As pilgrims on earth, we are passing through this life to a heavenly city. The writer of Hebrews tells us that as we gather, we're joining with an assembly that's invisible, an assembly that's gathering and worshipping in heaven right now. Hebrews 12, 22. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of our living God. And one day this heavenly city, when Jesus returns at the very end of the age, will come down out of heaven to the earth. This is what John says in Revelation. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And there'll be no need of a temple in the new heaven and the new earth because God himself will be there. Revelation 21, 22. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb, Jesus, are its temple. So as we worship, as we gather as the spiritual temple, the living stones, we are participating with the worship of heaven. Isn't that wonderful? And we are on a journey traveling towards that eternal worship. One day we'll be worshiping around the throne of Jesus. There'll be no more tears, no more pain, no more violence, no more injustice, no more death, no more hurting. But what do we do? While we're traveling through this life as pilgrims, we are called to be peacemakers, aren't we? We're called to pray for the peace of Heathervale Way and our community. We're called to share the love of God with a hurting community in word and in action. We're called to give meals to those who can't afford to pay the increasing gas and electric bills. We're called to come alongside people who are grieving and hurting in our bereavement cafe and listen and pray for them and love them. We are called to, to serve and volunteer for the food bank, which is only going to increase in numbers as the rising food prices and gas bills increase this winter. We are called to volunteer and serve with Christians Against Poverty that help those who are trapped in poverty to get out of debt and to become self-sufficient again. As we journey through this life as pilgrims, we are called to get involved, to love our neighbour, to seek the peace of our community and to do good in the name of Jesus. That's what we're called to. And we're called to give an invite to people who don't know Christ to come in 
and to invite him into their hearts because he's the only hope for this world, right? He's the only one who can set us free from grief and pain and hopelessness and injustice and tears. He, he said, I've come that you might have life and life in all its fullness. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the one in whom we find joy, meaning, contentment, purpose in life. And he, do you know what? He even promises eternity for you beyond death. I make no apology for being more and more bold in making Jesus known. We have a community out here that's hurting, a community that's in darkness, in pain, that's lost its way. We have a nation that's lost its way. We have a nation up to its eyeballs in debt, a nation of injustice and evil. And we have a God of peace, a God of love, and a God who calls men and women, boys and girls, to make his love known. Will you join in that pilgrimage today? Maybe you don't know Jesus yet. Maybe you've never invited him into your heart. Maybe you've never known his peace, his contentment, his happiness. I invite you today, pray with somebody, just ask somebody, just say to somebody today, I'd love to know this Jesus. I'd, I want to know him. I want to find that joy, that meaning, that purpose, that happiness, that eternal life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we live in a broken and hurting world. And yet you've called us to be peacemakers. You've called us to bring your love and justice and your gospel to bear on our community. So help us, Lord. Help us to do that to the best of our ability. Help us to be light in the darkness. Fill us with your spirit, Lord, that we might be salt and light today and in this coming week. Lord, I pray for all those who are seeking answers, that, Lord, they would find you to be their answer. And help us, Lord, to be used by you to point people to Jesus. I pray for any today, Lord, who are seeking you, that they would open their hearts to you today. In Jesus' name.